Hey, good morning, guys. Good to see you all. Yeah, so um, I'm actually going to share just a little bit about myself here in a minute and uh, give a little bit more of an introduction. But let me, um, let me just ask you if you'd pray uh, with me. I'll just do a little listening prayer for a minute, okay? So, Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. We've had this wonderful opportunity to come into your presence in worship, and uh, we don't want to run by that. Um, and and as, as Josiah was just mentioning, with a hundred things we could be thinking about, it actually takes a discipline for us just to catch our breath for a moment and say, we want to focus on you, and we want to ask you to speak to us. We want to ask for your help, Holy Spirit, to lead us into truth, and convict us of sin, uh, to shape the direction uh, that we are heading in, so that we would be a people that look more and, and act more and seem more like Jesus. So Lord, we ask that you would help us in all of that. We desperately need you, uh, and yet at the same time, Lord, I, I stand in front of a group of men and women that I'm excited to see the work that you are unfolding in them. And so Lord, allow us to listen well today. Allow us to hear your voice well today. Thank you for your, your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, God, that you lead us, and we pray that you would do that now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So it's an honor to be here with you today. I am uh, known to Dan as uh, Dan's boss. That would be the official title that I go by. Uh, so Dan and I actually get the privilege of working together. He's here on campus most of the time. He and Nicole doing a great job, and uh, we're really thankful. Really, when you, when you think about this for a minute, just to give you a sense of the leadership that you have here, because you really are blessed. Dan and Nicole and the team that they have around them do a great job. They get up in the morning thinking about you and how to minister well and to speak into your lives, and I know that they're walking with so many of you in those places. But when our national office is sort of looking all across the nation for who are the leaders that they would pick for a major national event that they're doing this summer, Dan was one of the reason he's not here today is because he's, he's helping the na at the national level. So that's sort of the caliber of the leadership that you have here. And sometimes when that's just the person across the table from you drinking coffee and doing the different things that you do in life, uh, you can sometimes fail to appreciate really how gifted they are. And so be an encouragement to them. The thing is, uh, you know, we have all walked through this season that has been so bizarre. I mean, there's just been no handbook for what we've gone through in the last couple of years. And you all are to be commended as well for the way that you've held things together, continued to minister, continued to be a presence in whatever way you are able to be here at Penn State University. So I don't know if you know this, but ACF actually started in 1975. It is as old as I am, so you can do the math. You figure out how old I am. Uh, but it's been here in almost, you know, pushing 50 years that there has been college students at Penn State University that are gathering in one form or another. And the, the model has, has shifted over the years, but essentially there has been a student church represented here at Penn State University for, for 46, almost 47 years, which is kind of amazing. That's, the, that's what you're walking in now. That's what you're a part of. So you are to be commended, and Dan and Nicole and the leadership here to be commended for walking through what has been a really difficult season over these last couple years and 100 you know, playbooks that we just didn't have. Did you guys have pandemic here? You had it here too? Yeah, we had it over, uh, yeah, okay. just making sure you're awake. Uh, so 
ACF has been a very special part of our family. So, so when I was about 19 years old, I was a, a student at Penn State. Um, there's a season that I, I kind of refer to as my own spiritual renaissance. I, I came into Penn State University with a pretty weak uh, spiritual foundation. I was very, you know, not enamored with the church, not really certain that the pursuit of Christ was really something that was worth one's life. And so as I came here as a freshman, you know, I really came in many ways uh, sort of seeking, trying to figure out, you know, what was life to be about? What was I, what was I really going to do that was going to be meaningful? And it was largely through the ministry of this, of this church that God began to get a hold of my life. So I don't know if you experienced this, but when you, especially if you come from a small town, you come to a big university like Penn State, and it's, it's, you wonder, you know, is anybody pursuing Christ here? And then all of a sudden you, you kind of commingle with men and women that are, are growing in their faith, and, and they're, they're men and women of prayer, and they're, they're learning what it is to follow Christ. And so that was my experience when I was a student as young as many of you and younger than some of you here. And so God really used that in my life personally. I met my wife at ACF. I mean, you want to talk about an endorsement. Amy, who's over here, we actually were students at ACF together. We were in student leadership and did different things with the worship team, which was pretty cool. Amy was studying music at Penn State. Uh, I was studying education. And much to our surprise, we ended up in ministry. So we were not really planning to be on the track that the Lord has had us in, but that's the way that he works. And, and the thought that comes to my mind before we look at Philippians chapter 1, which is where I'd like to take us today, is like, when I look at your faces, the majority of you I don't know. But I have to stop and think about what is it that God has for you? Like, what is he going to do with your life? Like, this is one, I'm going to talk about this a little bit in, in a few moments, but this is one of those seasons in your life where you change so much, you develop so much, you grow so much. And I'm going to make this argument to you. It's actually one of the last major moldable seasons in your life. Now, that doesn't mean you can't stay teachable. That doesn't mean you don't continue to grow. But where you are forced to learn and forced to grow and forced to be stretched. I'll step back a little bit. I'm making a, sorry, I'm making a little feedback. Give the, the sound guys a little headache. Even that, you know, it's just amazing. You guys are up, setting up all this stuff. I got here before 10 o'clock, and everything is, is rolling and ready to go. Just amazing. Good, good work. So uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I was looking at your faces, and I was saying, what's God going to do in your life? What's he going to do? What's he doing now? I, I would argue, for many of you, you don't yet even fully understand the extent to which God is, has been at work and is at work in your life. You can actually look back on these seasons and say, like, wow, God was actually doing way more than I realized at that time. So keep learning. Um, you know, I, I try to keep learning all the time. The other day I was walking into a, I was in a, in a, a, a bathroom in a gas station. I just was, like, running in there, had to go. So I walk in and I said to myself, it's really odd that this men's room has no urinals. And then this little voice inside my head was like, you need to leave. It's not your space. And I was like, oh. So I did. I, that actually really happened. I was like, oh, that hasn't ever happened to me before. So I learned. You learn, right? That's the point. You learn. 
felt a little bit better about that story when I heard this actually just yesterday that there was a guy just, just recently who made the news for showing up for an Airbnb and he gets to his Airbnb place and there's like, you know, some things laid out for him. So he's like, the first thing I want to do is take a little nap. So he lays down on the couch and the homeowner comes to him and is like, what are you doing here? And he was like, Airbnb. He's like, we don't do Airbnb. <laughs> he's like, Our neighbors do. So I felt a little bit better. Learning all the time. Learning all the time. Philippians chapter 1, um, if you have your Bibles, flip over there. I want you to read with me verses 3 through 11. Uh, I think this is actually a great passage of Scripture, um, and in many ways, you know, when we think about ACF and the ministry uh, to Penn State uh, that you guys are, are upholding, um, in many ways, this is how we feel toward you when we think about the, the mothership down the road at State College Alliance. So Philippians, three verses, uh, Philippians 1, verses 3 through 11. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's why this, this message is entitled, The Art of Becoming. This idea of what are you becoming. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May God have blessing to the reading of his word this morning here. So I, I really just want to look at three things with you as we look at this beautiful passage of scripture in Philippians. First of all, I want to talk about embracing the process. That right now your life is in process. And I've made this argument to you just a few moments ago that you are in one of the last super moldable times of your life. And I would, I would sit down with any 18 or 19 or 20-year-old that I would have the opportunity to break some bread or to have some coffee, coffee with and just to say, embrace the process that God has you in. You know, that, this is one of the beautiful things that I love about a student church like this is that if there was ever a mobile if there was ever a church that was able to be mobilized, able to be flexible, able to, be, uh, to, to move with the punches uh, as, as things go, it's you. I mean, that's, that's kind of hardwired into your DNA. And as a pastor of a more grown-up church, one of the big things that I wrestle with a lot is I'm trying to help people who now are in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And, you know, we have, we have a very multi-generational multi church but we have people of all ages, and sometimes with my older people, it's just helping them to remember flexibility, helping them to remember, you know, that we, we don't have to be stuck in a rut, that, that God may be doing a new thing here. So some of you are even thinking about ACF and what's the future of ACF. The future of ACF is incredibly great. Why? Because you've got the Holy Spirit on your side, and you're going to have a new influx of people, and God has things in store for you. 
some of the greatest kingdom advancing work that I have had the privilege of being a part of thus far in my life happened through, through college students right here. We saw major advances. I, I could talk to you about some of those really cool things, but I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm bragging. I just want to say dream big dreams as you embrace the process that you are in. Are you in a process? Paul loves this partnership uh, and the fellowship with this church. It, when you look at the words that he uses here in these first verses, um, he says, I'm thankful every time I remember you. Like every time I think about you, I can't help but be thankful. And that just sort of struck me. The first time I read that, I was like, you know what? I wonder what people think about me when they think about me or pray for me. Like what, what does that invoke in them? What, what, when people think about you, it's, it's sort of fascinating. Paul would say, every time I think about you, every time I pray for you, I'm thankful. He says, I pray with joy. I pray with joy because of the partnership that we have. But Paul, who loves this church and is thankful for this church, and is excited about what God is doing in this church, is also quick to remind them that they are not done. He says that it is good what they're doing, but he is confident that the good things that God has started, that he will complete them. And so this, this is just fascinating to me. Anytime you start to think about ministry, anytime you start to think about your role in a church and the place that God has for you, anytime you think about your own spiritual trajectory and where God is taking you, it's vitally important that we think in the terms of process. Paul says, you're doing great, but God has more for you. He has new things for you. So here's the, the critical question I would ask you to chew on today. What are you becoming? What are you becoming? You're in the process. You're learning something, right? I mean, your mom and dad are paying tuition dollars. You're, you're here at Penn State. But what are you becoming? And if you ask that question, depending on who you ask, you might ask your professors or your advisors, say, well, you're becoming a professional in your field. And that is true. So, well, you're becoming mature in your thinking. And I hope that that's true. You're learning relational skills. All of that is, is true. What are you becoming? I remember talking with a student several years ago. And um, he said, you know, he was a grad student. And he goes, so I'm, I'm learning all of these things, I'm, I'm, I'm getting degrees, uh, I'm, I'm making sort of vocational progress, and that's good. He said, but it's sort of come to my attention that my pursuit of gaming has, has really been too much. And I was like, well, what, what do you, like, what, what do you do? Like, what, why do you feel that? He goes, well, I realize I've spent the last, like, six years probably spending seven hours to eight hours a day including weekends, in gaming. So we sat down and did the math together and realized that the investment that he was making in becoming a, you know, a really good gamer, I mean, he was doing really well in this thing, but he said, I'm feeling like this is maybe a, a fruitless, like, I, I don't know what the end goal is here. And so we had this conversation. Well, so it just causes me to think about this. This is, in the time, this is the time in your life when you are asking the question, what am I becoming? You know, that's a fairly innocuous sort of question. You know, it's not like it's all bad or all good. What am I becoming? So I, I want to do a quick little exercise with you, and I'm going to see if there's anybody here that can help us. Um, 
Do we have anybody here that is like early childhood development or HDFS uh, major or study that? Anybody here? Okay, we do. W would you be so bold as to come up here and just, just join me up here? I promise we won't bite or anything. There's actually a huge cash prize that you can ask Dan Min about when, when he gets back. <laughs> so just, just, just come on up here real quick. I, I, I promise I'll be nice. And, and these people seem really nice. I'll just tell you. These people seem, I don't know them all, but they seem really nice. I'm a little concerned about that one over there, but, but no, but, but come up here. Um, so, so here we have a microphone for you. First of all, can you, can you tell us your name? My name is Kendall. Kendall. Are you comfortable right now, Kendall? Not the most comfortable. Okay, we'll, we'll help you. <laughs> we'll help you get there. I'm glad that you're, you're studying. So, so what, is your, what is your major? Um, human development and family studies. Okay, so you're the expert we're looking for here today. So okay. here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to tell me, like, what are the phases in human development where we learn and grow the most? Um, so Erickson's, like, what, what we study in one of my like, a lot of my classes is Eric's stages of development, and pretty much, like, adolescence emerging adulthood is when it's, like, we learn about our identity or yeah. role confusion. Okay. Um, so. The nice thing is here, you were the only person that raised your hand, so none of us can refute you. <laughs> If you're, you know what I mean? So that's good. Okay, so, so, so adolescence, early, early adulthood. So I was kind of thinking about things like, obviously, conception, like in the womb, like we, we change a whole lot, right? Yeah. I've watched children grow up, so I know that like toddler age, mobility, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But you're saying adolescence uh, is, is sort of like, that's a, a big time, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about college age, you know, sort of post-adolescence? Um, I think that kind of like is like the last kind of part of that stage when we're figuring out our identity. Nice. So you are affirming what I already said. We didn't plan this, by the way. We're actually <laughs> just meeting each other. But I thought if I called up a professional in the field, we would know. Well, are you, are you, how far along are you in your degree? I'm a junior. You're a junior. So you're actually getting pretty close to graduating. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Good. Well, everybody, let's, let's give a little thanks for Kendall. Thank you for being with us. Talk to Dan about that big cash prize, too. He'll be, he'll be glad to hear that I approve that, um, which is good. So, so, so moldability and, and how you're developing and how you're growing and what are you becoming, this is a critical question for now. And I would, I would love to encourage you in this to just say, don't waste this season of your life. Don't waste the season of your life. Take some time. You pray about it this week. God, what am I becoming? You see, it was when I was 19 and in your seats that I began to look in the mirror and the haunting question I couldn't really get away from was, I don't like what I'm becoming. You know, I, when, when we're honest, you know, not just the public image that everybody sees, but when we're honest about what's actually going on in our heart, what is the trajectory, what are we becoming, I was wrestling with that question. I was also dealing with a lot of God frustration at the time. In fact, I remember saying, like, God, I don't know if I can do this Christian life thing. Like, I don't know if I could do it for a day and really hold it up well. And what I didn't realize was at that moment of understanding that I was incapable in and of myself, it was opening the door to a massive spiritual season of growth in my life. Some of you are at a place right now where you are tired 
and you're frustrated. Some of that is just the normal course of the year because it's after spring break. Man, I never wanted to come back to spring semester after spring break. And again, an amen on that. I mean, some of you are like, I got so much to do. It's a short window of time. I remember that that was hard. But I'm not talking about just natural tiredness. I'm talking about some of you are in that place where you're frustrated and you're, you're dealing with this. Like, What does it really mean to follow hard after Christ? Some of us are dealing with family pain. Some of us are dealing with vocational pain and trying to figure out what's next. Some of us are dealing with church pain. And here's the amazing promise for everyone who would embrace the process that God who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. That is, that is a promise that we have to wrestle with. How are we going to receive it? Do I really believe that? Because there's a lot of days that I would say to you, I'm not sure if I'm seeing it. I'm not sure if I'm, I don't know how he's going to do it, but that's when I come back to the promise. See, when, when you're trusting God in the journey, he occasionally will give you sort of the insight to see exactly what he's doing and where he's going. Those are sort of fun moments because you go, oh, all that stuff is leading up and now I see it or whatever. But there's a much greater, even look, looking through scripture, you see much greater amounts of time where people are in that journey. You're in your own journey right now and you're saying, I've got to trust that God is leading even in the times that I don't see him, precisely in the times that I don't see him. So we embrace that process. Here's the other thing we see in, in Paul's writing to the Philippians. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you. I just love this. You know, he's saying, I really love you guys, and it's right that I do. It's right. I have you in my heart. And then he says, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. I want to encourage you today to be anchored in the grace of God. To be anchored in the grace of God of God. When your future is sure, the current reality that you're in doesn't have to overwhelm you. Does anybody know what I'm saying by that? I mean, have you, have you lived enough years to be able to think in, the, in those terms? Some of you have, some of you maybe are getting there. When the future is sure, the current reality does not have to overwhelm. See, we live in an age of incredible provision, incredible technology, incredible opportunity, and yet people are restless and they're angry and there seems to be brokenness like never before. And I just want to encourage you in this. Your circumstances are going to fluctuate. Paul was imprisoned. He was writing this letter from jail, right? If this world contained true treasure, then he would have been very miserable. But Paul said he learned the secret of contentment. You see, he was the undeserving recipient of the unbreakable grace of God. Just think about that for a second. You are the undeserving recipient of the unbreakable grace of God. Like, you, some of you get that here, I understand. Some of you grew up in the church, like, okay, sure, grace of God, it makes sense. But when you, like, begin to get that here, you know, it starts to actually form the way that you think. It actually begins to, to get in your, your, your decision-making. I am the undeserving recipient of the unbreakable grace of God. That's a huge moment. You see, I think what happens in this world where, where so many people are frustrated and there's so much anger and so much division right now is I, we're actually all just a little bit homesick for heaven. And some people just don't even realize it. They don't realize that's what's going on. Some of us do. 
You talk to people all the time who they're feeling this level of God frustration because they've seen the sickness of a loved one or the suffering of a friend. They look at injustice in our world or they look at hypocritical leaders and they're just fed up. You know, I, I could never worship a God who, who would allow those sort of things. So for those who would reject God on those grounds, let's just think it through for a second. What is the promise of heaven? That sickness would be swallowed up in ultimate healing. A king who would rule with perfect justice. The elimination of all duplicity as the light of Christ is revealed what is true in us. So, you know, I started to think about this a little bit, you know, and, and, and I realize that for the believer, you know, several of you, I think, would say I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. I've, I've committed my heart to Jesus. Uh, I, I suspect that there's some that are here listening to this that are saying, I'm not really sure how I feel about Jesus. I'm kind of checking out the, the church thing or whatever, so I don't know if I call myself a believer or a Christ follower at this, but just let me encourage you with this a little bit. For the believer... The pain of this world is actually the closest thing to hell that you're ever going to get. That's it. For the unbeliever, the joys of this world are the closest thing to heaven that you're ever going to get. And when you really stop and think about that, it allows you to endure, if you are in fact a believer, a lot. We go through hardship. But if you are not anchored in the grace of God, the current reality of the world just sucks the life and joy out of you. And I think that's what we're seeing in real time. So be anchored in the grace of God. And then I just want to give you one last, last thing here. This is this deepening through prayer. I find this interesting that Paul says this to the Philippian church. God started something good in you. He's going to be faithful to complete it. He's going to do that work. We're in this process together. And then he says in verse 9, This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. He's saying a whole lot there so that you may be able to discern what is best. That is exactly what you are doing at this moldable phase of your life. When you are no longer under the roof of your parents, you're no longer you know, just getting all of your cues from what mom and dad had to say, and maybe those cues were really good and spot on, or maybe those cues were terrible, I don't know what your story is, but you're in a place now where you've got to make your own decisions. You've got to learn how to discern what is best, that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I mean, when's the last time you looked in the mirror and said, Am I, is my trajectory actually leading me into a place of purity? I mean, that's like a lost art nowadays, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to be pure in this world. And yet, Scripture doesn't really relent on it. It says, actually, this is part of this process that you're in. You're learning to be like Christ, to think like Christ, to value the things of Christ, and, and to not give yourself to lesser things, lesser pursuits, empty cisterns. Verse 11, to be filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So it's, I just find it interesting that he's basically saying this actually happens through prayer. I pray for you as a church that God would be able to do that. See, the only way that you come to a place of spiritual hunger is through prayer. So I encourage our church family. I say, you know what? Pray, pray for yourself that you will have spiritual hunger. Pray for your loved ones that they would have spiritual hunger. Pray for your pastor that we would have spiritual hunger. Because if we don't have spiritual hunger, 
It's hard to dig in in prayer. But this happens through prayer. Paul knew what this dear group of believers needed most was an increase in the love and the knowledge, depth of insight, leading to purity, filled with the fruit of the glory of God. You see, prayer changes the atmosphere, even in a place like Penn State University. You know, for the many years that we were here, and Amy and I leading in, in various ways, we, had, we, we learned most of what we learned about ministry here, you know, with students like you, trying to figure it out together, trying to go through. But again and again, people were amazed when they said, wait, you're saying at Penn State University, the lion's den, right? That there's Jesus-loving people that are gathering together, not because their parents are making them, but because they're actually serving together and growing together and leading together. They're actually seeing people come to Christ. We actually, we planted churches out of this group. We built an orphanage in Peru. Some of you guys were maybe part of that. I mean, these were, these were real kingdom advances happening. From college students, the great majority of whom had never even finished a college degree yet. And no budget. I mean, you guys are poor as they come. It wasn't about human effort. But it was about move of God. And prayer changing the atmosphere. And so as we were coming to the close of our time in the last couple of years, and I was seeing this culture of prayer that as leaders gathered together, it was just commonplace that they would say, Let's lock up, let's pray, let's ask God, let's, let's, let's seek him together. And as we were doing that and then seeing the work that God was doing through this kind of group, and I was reminded of what Jesus said in the Gospel of John where he says, if anybody believes in me, out of him or her will flow rivers of living water. And I realized that's what I was seeing. That's what I was seeing. Next Sunday, we're going to have a prayer gathering at our church. We call it Living Waters for that reason. Because we believe when we pray, God changes the atmosphere. He opens up new opportunities. Well, that's what I wanted to share with you today. Philippians chapter 1. hope I've given you a couple of things to think through as you think about the end of this semester. You know, some of you are running at breakneck speed you know, towards what's next. You are in the process of becoming. This is a great time to take hold of what God has for you and say, Lord, lead me, mold me, shape me. Don't let this clay get hard. You know, it is not going to be too long for some of you before you will look back on this time and all of a sudden five years has gone by, ten years has gone by. My goodness, I was a student here in the late 90s. I was like, I was thinking about like, you guys were not born yet, <laughs> right? I mean, it goes quick. So take advantage of those times and say, Lord, I'm going to keep learning. Pray that my heart would continue to be soft. So I want to pray over you, and then we'll let the worship team come up and, and, and close us. Um, let me just ask you to do this, if you would just pray. Uh, let's, let's look together. Jesus, we are grateful and I continue to be so thankful for the work that you are doing through the ministry of Alliance Christian Fellowship and many other great ministries here at Penn State University. We thank you, Lord, as I even think about this inter, you know, multi-group multi uh, worship service coming up in April and 
the work that they're doing, God, we just recognize that you're, you're stirring some things and, and you're helping this body of believers for such a time as this. Like, like we didn't know that we were going to be going through a season of pandemic. We didn't know the disruptions that would come. We didn't know the division that our world would be uh, finding and facing right now. But for such a time as this, the Lord is calling you. So let me ask you just to, just to respond in prayer if you would. My brother and my sister, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I need to embrace the process. The Lord is doing something and I want to be of the soft heart mentality to say I'm embracing his work in my life. That means I want to listen. That means I want to be responsive. It means I want to lean in. There might be somebody else here who would say, you know, I, I just I feel inspired. I want to get deeper in my, my prayer life. I, I want to just make sure that the community group I'm a part of, family group, life group, whatever you call it, is we're getting anchored in prayer. We're really leaning in together. I want to be the voice that says, you know what, let's take this to the Lord. Lord, increase our hunger. Lord, change the environment. So maybe God's sort of stirring in that in you. Maybe somebody else would just say, you know, we talked about being anchored in the grace of God. I am the undeserving recipient of the unbreakable grace of God. And while many of you have said yes to that, so there might be some who have said, I've kept Jesus at an arm's distance. I've never come to that place of really putting him first in my life. So now in that sort of spirit of becoming, maybe your call today is to say, saying yes to Jesus. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Holy Spirit, pray that you would help us. We pray that you would awaken us to the reality of what you are saying to us right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not after we graduate, not now. Cause us to be receptive. So if, if your heart is stirred a little bit today and you're just saying, I'm just saying yes to the Lord on one of those fronts, can you just raise a hand? I just want to see you. If that's you today. Yeah, see some hands there. Father, we pray that you would meet, meet these individuals exactly where they are, that you would pour out your love, your affection. Lord, there's, there's some of these people, I'm certain of this, that are just saying, I just, I just need to hear the voice of the Lord with greater clarity. So Lord, I just pray that that still, small voice, Holy Spirit whisper would come. Pray that we would be responsive to you. When you say run, Lord, we say we're, we're going to run. When you say wait, we're going to wait. When you say I'm doing something in this process, there is an art of becoming. You are in it right now. We say, Lord, do your work. So, Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters. I bless them today in Jesus' name. I bless the work of Alliance Christian Fellowship in Jesus' name. I bless the work that you have started long before any of us were here or in this room. Lord, may we run our race well. And if that's on your heart today, would you just say amen?